It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. All senators now rise and raise their right hand. Do you solemnly swear that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of Donald John Trump, former president of the United States, now pending, you will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and laws, so help you God. To the Senator from Kentucky. Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution says, the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Article 1, Section 3, Clause 6 states, when the President of the United States is tried, the Chief Justice shall preside. As of noon last Wednesday, Donald Trump holds none of the positions listed in the Constitution. He is a private citizen. The presiding officer is not the Chief Justice, nor does he claim to be. His presence and the Chief Justice's absence, Chief Justice's absence, demonstrate that this is not a trial of the President, but of a private citizen. Therefore, I make a point of order that this proceeding, which would try a private citizen and not a President, a Vice President, or civil officer, violates the Constitution and is not in order. In this vote, the ayes are 55, the days are 45, the motion to table is agreed to. The point of order is not sustained. Sandy Rios with you this morning. Uh, that's the new, biggest news story in the last 24 hours is uh, ran, uh, that vote was taken in the Senate last night about, uh, well, what do you think about this impeachment thing? And 45 Republicans uh, said this is not, we should not proceed with this. This is not constitutional. And that's the point that Rand Paul was making. And uh, five Republicans did vote in favor. I'll tell you who they were. Let's see. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Ben Sass, Pat Toomey, and Mitt Romney of Utah. They all, all voted in favor of moving ahead with the impeachment. That The uh, Crypt keeper, keeper voice you heard yesterday was the voice of, I told you about him yesterday, in, at pretty much great length with at Senator Patrick Leahy from Vermont, uh, known as Leaky Leahy back in the 80s because he was on the Intelligence Committee and could not keep the national secrets quiet, could not keep his mouth shut, and that's why they called him that. And I want to interject that what happened in the 80s is all the, there was a you know tremendous upheaval in the United States in the 60s and 70s. And the communists, uh, in spite of that, we thought it was student war protesters, anti-war. We thought it was all kind of, you know, innocent kids really just objecting, uh, but it was not. It was uh, infiltrated by communists who were controlling and agitating, which is what they're doing now. And uh, so what happened was all those, like, um, long-haired agitators uh, shaved their beards uh, and combed their hair and ran for Congress, and they won. And so in the 80s, we had a lot. That was the beginning of uh, the subversive left being part of the Congress, and Pat Lady, 
he was one of those, and he did his part. But he's still there. That's the wonderful thing. He's still there. Now he's in the Senate and has been for, what? He's 80 years old. He's been there for decades. Uh, and he's the, he has been the chairman of the judiciary for 100 years more than that. And he's supposed to lead the uh, preside over the Trump impeachment. And so Rand, of course, objects to that. So does Senator Kennedy. I want you to hear, he was on last night with Shannon Bream. Just I want you to hear his perspective. Clip 10. We all are entitled to our opinion. I, I believe that in part, these proceedings represent a thinly veiled effort by uh, the uber elites in our country, by the permanent Washington types who, uh, who look down on most Americans, who think they're smarter and more virtuous than most Americans, to denigrate further the people of this country who chose to vote for President Trump and not vote for President Biden. And, and if I've learned anything in my four years in Washington, D.C., unfortunately, it's that the, um, the, the determined condescension of the tuna tartar crowd is very real, and it is relentless. And I think that's what, what a lot of this is about. I, I know that common sense is illegal in Washington, D.C., but, but I, I think a fair-minded, rational person would ask Congress to vote to file a declaratory judgment action to ask the Supreme Court to rule on the constitutionality of impeaching a president who isn't president before we put the country through this. And I'll just leave it at that and thank you for your time. All right, Senator Kennedy, uh, with, uh, again, uh, what did I just say, Shannon Bream last night, uh, giving us common sense. And he's absolutely right. I've said in many, so many words to you uh, that D.C. is a world set apart. And I said to you, I think, oh, a week ago, in, in politically, that I thought it would be a great benefit if uh, I'm not asking for death on anyone, but just metaphorically, if D.C., could just sink into the abyss because it is the head of all, pretty much all the snakes. It really is. It has just become a cesspool, uh, unbearable, really. Uh, who wants to live there and who wants to go there anymore? It's like a war zone. It's horrible with all the, the uh, p- police patrols around, everything shut down. But but most of all, it's also who's inside. And when, but when Ke- Senator Kennedy says the um, the elites who think they're smarter and all of that. He's right about that. Uh, that would be agency heads, career employees. It would also most certainly be uh, all of those, meaning Republicans and Democrats and those agencies. People that have been, um, you know, what people do in D.C. is they get a government job and it pays a lot compared to what the rest of the world makes. And uh, then they... They lose that job, and they go to another job there, and everybody knows everybody, and they just pass it off, and they have benefits for life. They have pensions. Uh, but it's also a social status, uh, courtesy of your tax dollars. And it's also uh, then you have, I think, uh, the elites don't have anyone that surpasses them more than the Republican uh, establishment. They are definitely of the category that John Kennedy just described. Just, uh, 
you icky people. I remember Mitch McConnell, remember when the insurgency happened at the Capitol? Uh, he said, uh, they're trying to destroy democracy. What he meant was, uh, we, you know, we, we are the leaders of the country trying to conduct business and the the people, the people are trying to disturb our democratic process. But of course, democracy means the people. A little confused there, but that's what happens when you get there. You are, you know, I remember, uh, was it, who was it? It was uh, the uh, Senate Majority Leader from um, Nevada, Harry Reid, who said he could almost, he didn't like that visitors from around the country were getting to uh, being able to come into the Capitol the way they were. He said he could smell, smell them. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's, yeah, so uh, Kennedy's uh, spot on Senator Kennedy. But, of course, that's an incomplete description because what is happening really is an attempt of a revolutionary takeover. That's just the truth. That's what the left wants, and they are personified in the Democratic leadership and most of the party. But uh, Rand Paul was on with Maria Bartiroma, and they're becoming, you know, I I think uh, Maria Bartiroma is a go-to person. If you are still watching Fox, Maria is the person to watch, and Tucker also. Uh, But Maria had uh, on Rand Paul, who's also someone that I have great respect for. My husband and I uh, got to see, sorry, i got to say this correctly, don't want to be too casual, Senator Paul and his wife, Kelly, uh, when we went to South Dakota, and it was just, they're just, uh, it's just refreshing because he speaks the truth. He fix, speaks it so refreshingly, common sense with boldness, no compromise. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. He's not the only one, but he's one of maybe two or three. <laughs> and so uh, he, w- I want you to hear, I'm actually going to play a lot of this because I, because I loved all of it. I just thought it was all profound. I think Maria's questions are wonderful and Rand Paul's answers are equally wonderful. It gives you perspective on what happened last night. So let's start with clip two. We know that the Senate has voted 55 to 45 to set aside your point of order that impeachment is unconstitutional. Tell us about it. Well, we put forward a motion that said that basically you can't impeach a private individual. You can impeach a president, but this is why the chief justice didn't show up. If it was the president, the chief justice shows up. The fact that the chief justice wouldn't come and refused to come means that this is a private citizen, but the Constitution doesn't allow for impeachment of a private citizen. So we put this issue forward, but the most important takeaway from the issue is they don't have the votes to convict. We had 45 people, 45 Republican senators, say that the whole the whole charade raid is unconstitutional. So what does that mean? It means that impeachment, the trial, is dead on arrival. There there will be a show, there will be a parade of partisanship, but the Democrats really will not be able to win. They will be able to play a partisan game that they wish to play, but it's all over. The, this shows that they don't have the votes to win, so they will just slog through this and they will try to punish Republicans, but that's all this has ever been about. Not justice, it's about a partisan game where they don't want the election to be over. A partisan game, but is it also about stopping Donald Trump from doing anything in the future? I mean, the other day, Eric Swalwell said something like, we must ensure that Donald Trump can never do this again. 
I wonder if he told his Chinese spy girlfriend that before he stole the rest of us. Here's the thing about this. They want to say that he incited violence because he said, go fight for your country. And he said, march peacefully and patriotically. So what I put forward in my arguments today were three instances where Democrat words appear to have incited violence. You remember the Democrats said that the Republican plan for health care, back when we were debating Obamacare, they said it was get sick and then you die. Well, can you imagine having a sick child that may be dying and you're told that the Republicans want your child to die? That sounds an incitement to violence. And guess what? One of Bernie Sanders' supporters came to the ball field, nearly killed Steve Scalise, wounded three or four others, shot one of the staff members 10 feet from me, and spewed 200 bullets and would have killed more had the police not stopped him. But nobody talked about impeaching Bernie Sanders. Yeah, so uh, so he goes on. In fact, so we can get this in before the break, let's just, just move ahead with clip three. Maxine Waters has said, get up in their face. So has Cory Booker. Become a mob. We want you to mob them in restaurants and cause mayhem. That sounds like an incitement to violence, but nobody's talking about impeaching Maxine Waters. Nobody's talking about impeaching Bernie Sanders or Cory Booker for saying get up in their face. So it's a, it's a significant hypocrisy and double standard that they're putting forward, and they should be called out on it. We should not be shy about calling them out about their hypocrisy. By the way, let's not forget the summer of love in 2020, Senator, when we had Molotov cocktails being thrown in the faces of police where we couldn't get anywhere near the chop zone in Seattle and all small businesses in our big cities had to board up. I don't remember hearing a peep from any of your colleagues on the left in the summer of love. And I reminded him of that as well. But the thing is, none of them are responding to this at all. And I think we caught them flat-footed. I didn't think they realized that the vote we took today is essentially a mirror of the vote we will take at the very end. So we've had a preliminary vote that shows that 45 Republicans don't even think the procedure, don't even think that the trial is constitutional. And so that shows you they are not going to win. This is a partisan thing that they want to put forward, but I don't think it is, it is even good for them. The President Biden says he wants to show unifying, he wants to unify the country, and yet what he's putting forward is one of the most divisive, partisan, rancorous, bitterest things that you could possibly do. And if Biden had been a statesman, he could have stepped up a week or two ago and said, you know, I think, you know, he's being published by public opinion, former President Trump, and I think we should not do the impeachment. It won't be good for the country. You know what? Biden's numbers would have shot up 20 points and people would say, oh, my goodness, for once, somebody that can rise against partisanship. But Biden didn't show the strength of character to do that. All right, he you got the point. He's right. He's right about that. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, there's just one more exchange between them. Plus, I want to talk a lot about COVID today and uh, Biden's executive orders. So that's what we'll discuss. Uh, stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. 
Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for John Garvin, Acting Assistant Secretary for Housing at HUD. His office develops and executes policies on housing in the United States. Isaiah 32:18 reminds us of the importance of God's gift of home. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for John Garvin in his work at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Pray with us as we lift up each state's freshman senators and representatives as part of our 2021 Bold Initiative. Learn more at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Liberty University is more than just exceptional academic programs, NCAA athletics, and state-of-the-art facilities. They believe in training champions for Christ. They know that where academic excellence and unwavering faith meet, there is liberty. Explore their campus virtually and learn how you can train as a champion for Christ online or on campus by texting TODD to the number 49596. That's TODD to the number 49596. Kids in Memphis, Tennessee will not be attending Donald Trump Jr. High School, nor will drivers get stuck in traffic on Trump Parkway. That's because the Shelby County Commission passed an ordinance banning any attempt to name anything after President Trump. It's basically a slap in the face, a move instigated by Commissioner Tammy Sawyer. She's an AOC wannabe, a radical leftist who thinks President Trump is a white supremacist. She actually wanted to rename public streets in honor of Black Lives Matter. Like I said, she's a radical. It's sad because the Trump family has done quite a bit for the city of Memphis, longtime donors of St. Jude Children's Hospital. Such pettiness. We can only hope future lawmakers will not treat Commissioner Sawyer with such disrespect when they named the county's new sewage treatment plant in her honor. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. You've got Democrat Stephanie Murphy right now pushing legislation to ban anybody who participated in Stop the Steal and anybody uh, who pushed back on the irregularities in the election 2020 from holding a security clearance or joining the military. (laughs) We have to be very careful about when they start talking about domestic terrorism. The last time we did this was the Patriot Act, and they said, oh, we're only going to spy on foreigners. But it turns out they were spying on every American. They, they, were, yep. uh, they were cataloging every American's phone calls. So now when they say domestic terrorists, you have to realize, see, I've been willing to say there was fraud in the election. I don't know if it was enough fraud, because I don't think we did enough investigation as to whether it would have overturned the election. I'm agnostic. Ooh. But we should investigate it. We should want to know 
know. And so I plan on going to 35, 40 state legislatures and trying to get them to fix their laws. But is that now something that I'm not allowed to say and that I will be wanted by authorities or by the domestic terrorism police? Because I might say, oh, my goodness, I think somebody might have stole the election. I think there might have been fraud. So. Is it is it not okay to have an opinion in our country anymore? This started with the global warming extremists. Now it's gone to election fraud. What is the next subject where you're not allowed to have an opinion that contradicts the liberals? Well, I can tell you right now, uh, you know, President Biden did another executive order today. And in that order, he is banning the term China virus. Have you ever heard anything so ridiculous and extraordinary? Meanwhile, I mean, seriously, this is this is actually this is happening. Yeah, uh, I, I was joking earlier with somebody because, you know, Katie Couric's been talking about sending us all to a deprogramming camp. And it's like, well, at least we'll have Katie Couric's, Katie Couric's beautiful smile there while they're before they shock you and give you the soma to try to get you to believe what they believe. It's like these people don't realize what they're saying, that they, they, they that there has to be this one group think sort of uh, position. And if you're outside that position, you need to be deprogrammed. It, it is bizarre that people. The liberal is supposed to mean open-minded, that you would hear other opinions. It's, it's, it's more closed-minded than anything I could have ever imagined. All right. So that was, uh, that was the last uh, exchange between Rand Paul and Maria Bartiroma. We'll put that entire clip on our Facebook page because I think, it's, I think it's worth listening to again and sharing with other people because it does lay out a number of issues that we're dealing with. Um, Interestingly enough, you know, Maria brings up the that Joe Biden. Oh, I, I have to say this first. I forgot to tell you this because it's important. So the impeachment is going to take place. I believe it's February the seventh or eighth. Uh, that's when the Senate, uh, under the leadership of Senator Patrick Senator Patrick Lady from Vermont, uh, is going to be uh, officiating. That should be thrilling. Only problem is last night uh, Senator Leahy was hospitalized. Now, I'm not laughing at that, so don't misunderstand me. But uh, the the comment is that he's not feeling well. After that vote, he wasn't feeling well, so they took him in to be examined, and he's been put in the hospital. And it says it's unclear how long Leahy will be hospitalized or what his condition is or whether his ill health will delay the trial. It's February the 8th. That's when it's supposed to start. Just not sure about that. So... This is why I'm sort of uh, laughing, sort of chuckling, because a lot of people think that this is the way the Democrats will get out of doing the trial and save face, because they can't, they already already know. I think, you know, if uh, Mitch McConnell and the others had not voted for Rand Paul's uh, resolution, whatever the word was for what he introduced, uh, then that they, they would have, you know, been feeling their oats. But now they know that 45 Republicans are not going to go forward. They're not going to vote to impeach. Uh, and that's uh, five would, of course, but 45 would not because they, you know, they've been back home. They know how those like 74 million people feel, plus probably a ton more than that. And I think they got the message. So uh, Patrick Lay suddenly ill and hospitalized. We're not sure. In fact, we're not sure, it says in the article, if we might have to uh, extend, you know, the, the opening of that impeachment trial. I'm telling you, I agree. I think this is, uh, this is the, what the left does. They lie and deceive and manipulate. They play games. They play theater. And so maybe he genuinely is sick, in which case I will do a mea culpa. Uh, but, uh, and we'll never know. We'll never know. 
these really sick or not. But my prediction is that exactly that's the way to save face and get out of this because it won't look good for them and it won't look good for Joe Biden either. And heaven knows the most important thing is that they look good. It's optics. So, um, and they'll find another way to destroy Donald Trump. So that's just my prediction. Okay, so I want to talk then. Maria said that in addition to all the other orders that Joe Biden has signed, uh, he has banned, he signed an executive order banning the term China virus. Now, why would he do that? Who is that offending? Oh, let's see. Well, maybe China. And maybe that professor who was boasting a month ago, six weeks ago, about the Chinese professor in Chinese to an audience who was laughing, that they have, uh, they couldn't work with Donald Trump. He just, they just couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't control him. But now, you know, they have a lot of, they have a lot of help now, a lot of inroads. They have, you know, um, influence at the very top and a lot of it. So I don't know, maybe Joe Biden, I, you think it's a kind of outrageous to think he might have contacts with China through, I don't know, his son doing business there, making billions of dollars, uh, funneling it to Joe and his family. There might be some motive to ban the term China virus. It might be that the Chinese don't like that. Just might be that, you think? Because you think Americans are clamoring to have the, the term China virus removed? Are Americans offended by that, upset by that? I'm going to talk about the virus. Uh, I hope to get to that in the last segment because there's a lot to say about it. But I want to talk about executive orders first. So Joe Biden has issued 33 executive orders, actions, proclamations, memoranda, and agency directives. Uh, 21 of those were exe- um, executive orders. Now, we've been told that, let's see, they, they, they told us that um, chief of staff to Joe Biden, Ron Klein, Klein, Klein I think it's Klein, uh, uh, told reporters that the new president's planned executive orders would be a restoration of an appropriate constitutional role for the president. It's appropriate. Only trouble is when we look back in history, we see that Donald Trump signed four executive orders in his first week. Barack Obama signed five. President George W. Bush signed none. President Bill Clinton signed one. So not even Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, did anything like that. I don't know how many he did, but that he didn't do that. He did not do that. So let's see, but Ron Klain, I think it was Klain, told reporters that the new president's plan uh, to, uh, you know, his executive orders would be a, a restoration of an appropriate constitutional role for the president. Now, that's interesting because Joe Biden, uh, in an interview in 20, when he was running, I think at the fall of this, this past fall, uh, had, had an interesting comment about executive orders. I thought you might want to hear what he had to say about presidential executive orders. Clip nine. I got to get the votes. That's why, you know, uh, the one thing that I, ha- I have this strange notion, we are a democracy. Some of my Republican friends and some of my Democratic friends even occasionally say, well, if you can't get the votes by executive order, you're going to do something. Things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator. We're a democracy. We need consensus. You don't, you, you, you don't use uh, executive orders unless you're a dictator, said Joe Biden in f- the fall of 2020 when he was running 
you know, you don't use executive orders unless you're a dictator, he said. But, you know, that was then, and this is now, and so he signed a record 33 executive orders, and I want to remind you about what those orders were. Uh, let's see, uh, on Monday of this week, uh, with a stroke of his executive order pen, he has allowed transgender persons uh, to be accepted into the military, which, as I said before, that means that the American tax dollars will pay for sex change operations, hormone treatment, psychological evaluations, psychotherapy. Uh, they will. Uh, the Pentagon had already been in, in process of, before President Trump uh, decided that wasn't a good idea, they had been designing, you know, uniforms for transgender persons because, you know, they have special needs. Um, and uh, so he did that with a stroke of pen on Monday. But I thought that was something that only dictator did, but I guess I guess not. I guess it was different on Monday. Before that, uh, he also struck down all the differences in gender. He signed an exe- I'll read you this uh, order. This is what this particular order was on last Wednesday. Uh, It tasked the government with redefining all of its policies and regulations regarding discrimination based on sex to include gender identity, which would mean men who identify themselves as women can't be excluded from using all services and amenities reserved for women. And it actually states children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room, or school sports. So that all American schools now will have to accommodate boys and girls' locker rooms and want to be girls in girls' locker rooms. So it goes further by uh, putting gender identity into the definition of sexual discrimination. It used to mean male and female. Now it means gender identity. And it says adults should be able to learn, earn a living, and pursue a vocation knowing that they will not be fired, demoted, or mistreated because of whom they go home, of whom they go home to, or because how they dress does not conform to sex-based stereotypes. People should be able to access health care and a secure and secure a roof over their heads without being subjected to, a, to sexual discrimination. Of course, if those things on their face, who wants to see anybody be homeless because they're struggling with their sexual identity or not have a job? No one, but forcing people to hire people uh, in any job, any place this is going to come to churches too, I guarantee you. Um, so, so anyway, that's just part of that. I want to do a longer show on that, but that's, that's one of those orders which, you know— uh, only a dictator would do that, right? But Joe Biden did it uh, last Wednesday. He also has ordered border wall contractors to stop construction by Tuesday night. President Trump had built 450 miles of wall during his tenure, but uh, they've ordered all construction to cease. They've ordered de- uh, deportations to stop. Uh, remember, they told in that memo, uh, Tucker Carlson revealed, they told all the people down there on the border to not to let everybody go now, everybody, including criminals, MS-13. Um, and by the way, they're not requiring COVID tests for the people coming in. That's what's interesting. I, just not doing that because whatever is driving them trumps your safety. If you really believe that they want to keep you safe, that's probably proof that they don't really. Um, and then a president... Uh, Senator Schumer is now advising Joe Biden to declare a climate emergency to circumvent Congress on certain agenda items. Now, this would be even different, climate emergency. He says, um, 
President Biden should declare a national climate emergency as a way to go around Congress to implement parts of his agenda. He said Democrats are ready to use budget reconciliation to pass Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 stimulus bill. Now, that's a different issue besides climate change. Uh, That little bill uh, will, you know, boost up New York City, Chicago, all those cities that have struggled. Uh, They'll get lots of cash. And so um, they're going to use budget reconciliation, and that means they'll only need 51 votes. So, but back to climate change. Uh, Schumer said the reconciliation tool could also apply to the passage of climate change legislation. I think it might be might be a good idea, I can't imitate him, not in the moment, for President Biden to call a climate emergency. Then he can do many, many things under the emergency powers of the president that wouldn't have to go through that he could do without legislation. The New York senator said that when Donald Trump was president, he used such powers to build a stupid southern U.S. border wall, which wasn't an emergency, Schumer said. But if there ever was an emergency, climate is one. So I would suggest that they explore looking at climate as an emergency, which would give them more flexibility. After all, it is a crisis. So I I don't know. I I remember uh, when Barack Obama was president, which is, well, just sounds like all of this, doesn't it? He um, decided that the Department of Defense should put fighting climate change as their number one priority. (laughs) Remember that? I mean, it really is pathetic what's happening, but, you know, you have to keep your sense of humor. I remember the Russian people certainly did that when it was full-blown oppression on them. Uh, they developed the best sense of humor you can imagine. They really did. Uh, so I, we're, we're going to do the same. Let me read this. Uh, Schumer goes on to say, we will not let re- uh, Mitch McConnell dictate to us what we will do and not do, period. And these first five days have shown that. And as I said, my caucus is totally united from one end to the other that we're not going to let— not letting him go forward. Our hope is now that we have tools that we can use. Uh, We are united in the view that McConnell is not going to dictate what the Senate does. And that means like they did when they were the minority. Uh, They exercised every available tool to stop a good legislation, and they're not going to let McConnell do that. But, you know, I don't feel sorry for McConnell because he got what he, he reaped what he has sown. And um, so, but it's going to hurt the whole country. That's the problem. So he's just going to come together as a caucus and figure it out. But I can assure you, we will bring real change here, real dramatic change. Yes, they will. That's what we're, you know, uh, what a uh, radical transformation. That's what Barack Obama called it. And that's exactly what we're in for. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talks. Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Christian parents are on the hook today because they have to identify the threats to the value system uh, that's being taught to their children in public schools. And their job is to protect their kids from these influences. Tune in for Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson. Weekdays at 6.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. on American Family Radio. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our program. God's blessings to you all. 
American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After Jesus resurrected Lazarus, his and Lazarus' fame spread. They already planned to kill Jesus, but now, because Lazarus was tangible evidence of Jesus' resurrection power, the chief priests and Pharisees plotted to kill Lazarus too. They never worried about Lazarus before, but now, because he is a walking billboard of Christ's power, They want him dead, too. This, brothers and sisters, is why many come against you. It isn't personal, but satanic forces can't stand your representation of God's power to transform lives. That's why we rejoice when we're slandered for his namesake. Christ's power is on display. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. The COVID test Anthony Fauci has touted for months as the gold standard isn't. It's called a PCR test, which first amplifies whatever is in the test sample 40 times. But amplification beyond 25 cycles produces meaningless biological noise because the test is picking up tiny pieces of dead virus which can't affect anybody, including the host. Now that Biden is president, medical bureaucrats are admitting the test is producing an enormous number of false positives. Millions were told they were infected when they weren't. Why did they do this? Simple. It was a way to make Donald Trump look bad as possible. Now they want Biden to look good. So suddenly and magically, the infection numbers will be coming down just in time to make Biden look like a wonder worker. It's shameless and disgusting. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The bloom may be coming off the rose of the Biden-Harris presidency, or maybe it's just buyer's remorse as millions of Americans who voted for Joe Biden and others whose votes against him weren't accurately counted, are confronting the reality that he's certainly not the moderate unifier they were promised. After nearly a week of highly radical executive orders, people across the country and a growing number of their representatives in Congress are beginning to oppose the new administration's socialist agenda. For example, the U.S. Senate is unlikely to find the votes to approve Biden's signature open borders legislation. Then there are the boys in girls' locker rooms, unvetted Sharia supremacists from lawless nations coming here, Chinese equipment in our electric grid, the abuse and purging of our military personnel, ending our energy independence. On and on it goes. Thanks, but no thanks. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Uh, I'm very proud of what New Yorkers have done because they have rallied. We were ambushed like no other state, Nicole. And again, it was from federal incompetence. Uh, They thought the virus was in China. It had left China, it had gone to Europe, and it came here for three months before they ever knew. 
Uh, incompetent government kills people. Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to die in COVID. That's the truth. Uh, and forget Democrat, Republican. Uh, as a person who believes in government and public service and who has seen people die over this past year, that's why hearing President Biden is such a, a welcome relief. Having Jeff Zients on the phone and uh, Dr. Walensky, these are professionals. Uh, they understand yeah. uh, that it's not spin and politics. You're talking about human life. And they went to work and in six days, they're telling you the truth and they have a plan to get it done in six months. That's a welcome relief. Yeah, and just to your point, Tony Fauci looks 10 years younger just being able to tell the truth and let the science speak for himself itself, even when it isn't a good picture. Oh, you know, Tony Fauci looks so much younger. It's just great. The relief, the burden is off of him. One thing that uh, he's, Cuomo says in that clip with Nicole Wallace is uh, uh, that uh, finally, you know, uh, truth. People know that truth is coming out. They finally having the truth about COVID and you know, under President Trump, it was all lies. Well, that's interesting. Also, he's taking a victory lap, you know, because our incompetent government, that's what causes this, <laughs> says the man who sent COVID positive, made hospitals send COVID positive cases, people with it, to nursing homes, which caused inordinate amounts of senior citizens in New York State to die who were in residential. But uh, Cuomo's taken a victory lap. He's very proud. He's written a book about it. He's so proud of what he did in response to COVID. But I want to talk to you about Anthony Fauci because some uh, startling information is coming out. I want to start with this uh, before I get into that. There is a, some of the stuff was uh, declassified. As President Trump was going out the door, he declassified and some of his agencies did a lot of things, stuff that we, we don't even know about. I don't know about it. There's just a ton of stuff on national security, and but there's a lot on COVID. So I want to read to you just a little bit of what we have learned, um, because speaking of truth, uh, maybe we could use some. The China virus, which I guess I'm not allowed to say anymore, China virus, uh, U.S. intelligence findings recently declassified by the State Department provide fresh evidence for the theory that the COVID-19 pandemic likely began, likely began at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, China's sole high-security laboratory that has links to the country's military, the Chinese Communist Party, Wuhan Lab. The department, in a report made public this month by the outgoing Trump administration, disclosed for the first time that several workers at the Wuhan Institute were, where research on deadly viruses is conducted were sickened in the autumn of 2019, with COVID-19-like symptoms. The report also made public uh, by U.S. intelligence that the People's Liberation Army conducted secret research on covert biological warfare at the Institute. Chinese leaders have consistently denied any link between the lab and the outbreak of COVID-19 and have even promoted speculation that the United States or some other foreign source brought the virus to China. So, oh, you know... Do you suppose this means that it's China who doesn't want it to be called the China virus, and that's why maybe Joe Biden, in an executive order, made it illegal to say illegal? I don't know if they can arrest us for that, but banning, banning the term. You cannot say it. Certainly the agencies, you can't say that anymore. Uh, and so it seems like China was the one. Yeah, I think we have it right here. So um, 
this this is just a part of that article, but uh, and I'm not going to go any more into that. But I want to bring something else to your attention, which ties this back to Anthony Fauci, because you need to know this. Um, the British host on Fox, not not uh, not the finance guy, but the other guy. You guys help me with that. I can't. I, this is where this clip came from. It was a long clip. I did not play it for you. Uh, no. It isn't. He's bald. Uh, Steve, uh, anyway, I, we'll get to it in a second. It doesn't, but anyway, he did this expose, so I wanted to give him credit for it. Uh, and uh, it's very scientific, and I, unless I listened to it several times, I couldn't possibly uh, uh, explain all the details. Steve Hilton, that's who it is. Um, we should put this on our Facebook page because people who actually have uh, maybe more of a science background uh, or medical background would benefit from hearing this, and I'm going to kind of stumble over, but basically what he's saying is that we know now that actually Anthony Fauci ignored the Obama administration and sent money investing in the Wuhan lab with a specific, that particular Wuhan lab uh, affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party, tasked them with experimenting with mutations on COVID-19, that would uh, not, they were, it was, at that point, animals, as I understand it, who were being tested for this and who were contracting it, would it be possible, the question is, to mutate that so that it would affect human beings? Just wanted to know, you know, just kind of, these are the things we need to know, said Anthony Fauci and his compatriots. And so uh, the Obama administration had forbidden this kind of research because during the SARS virus outbreak, two researchers became infected with SARS and died. And so even the Obama administration said, none of that research, none of that, none of that will you try to uh, infect uh, or discover or mutate viruses so that they infect humans. But Anthony Fauci, in conjunction with Peter Dozak uh, and the Eco Health Alliance, uh, with the ones who developed that using the Wuhan lab because they couldn't do it in the shore here. He, they couldn't do it here, so they moved over there even though it was uh, illegal and unlawful and against a directive. So um, basically they genetically engin- engineered a new virus that could infect human cells. I am not saying that Anthony Fauci wanted to infect humans with COVID. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying he wanted that research to go forward uh, so that they could, whatever, the reason was beyond me. They have, you know, this teaches us stuff about other stuff. That's the way scientists think. We do this because we want to know more about that. We're never sure where it's going to quite lead. And so um, I just want you to know that smiling, happy Anthony Fauci, who looks so much younger now, is such a relief now that Joe Biden is there, um, you know, was up to his neck in helping this thing uh, develop. It's disgraceful. I don't know if the world will ever quite know that, but this much I will say also, the World Health Organization is controlled by the Chinese, and their message is controlled by the Chinese. They were the ones who told us, uh, what did they say? It wasn't very contagious. It didn't start in China. I mean, they were the ones feeding us all this information through their spokesperson, uh, uh, Tedros, Tedros is a as a Pakistan I think he's Pakistan he I think he worked with the Pakistani communists uh, so you know kind of a shady character uh but really you know really um 
Let's see. Preferred by Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, with another executive order immediately last week, said, oh, no, we're going to we are going to rejoin at the hip uh, the World Health Organization and we're going to restore all the finances that we had withdrawn under awful President Orange-haired tweeting Trump, uh, and we're going to renew our relationship with them. So interestingly enough, within, what, an hour of Joe Biden being inaugurated, the World Health Organization uh, has cautioned now, and I think uh, Brian just talked about this in his commentary just a few minutes ago, has cautioned experts not to rely solely on the results of the PCR test to detect the CCP virus, the China virus. Well, what does that mean? That means the tests that we've been all taking, that they've been breathlessly reporting how many people have tested positive. 300,000 people have tested positive today. In Arizona, the tests are, you know, off the charts with people. That's what we get every day from this PCR test. But now... Just an hour, I believe, after, I believe that was a timeline. If I see it again, I'll emphasize that. But shortly, shall we say, after Joe Biden was sworn into office, the World Health Organization is cautioning experts, don't don't rely slowly on that test. Now that you have, don't do that anymore. In updated guidance published on January 20th, the World Health Organization said that lab experts and healthcare practitioners should can also consider the patient's history, epidemiological risk factors alongside the PCR test and diagnosing. Uh, The new guidance could result in significantly fewer daily cases. Most, and then it goes on, and I've explained this to you before because we've talked about it in interviews with people who are experts on this, that um, from my uh, non-medical description of this, that test has a very broad spectrum. It picks up a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that is not the deadly COVID-19 virus. Uh, but, you know, you guys got, some of you had a common cold. Some of you might have had the, I don't know, flu flu of some sort, other things. But you all got uh, counted as COVID cases. It was great because the numbers built and they could create a panic and control the population. And they did it beautifully. Anthony Fauci was really happy about all these. I am honored to announce that the United States will remain a member of the World Health Organization. Yesterday, President Biden signed letters retracting the previous administration's announcement to withdraw from the organization, and those letters have been transmitted to the Secretary General of the United Nations and to you, Dr. Tedros, my dear friend. The United States also intends to fulfill its financial obligations to those organizations. So that's why Anthony Fauci just looks younger, spring in his step, uh, because maybe the world will never know. Uh, what he did in this situation. I want to say also, uh, uh, Dr. Fauci was on with, uh, I don't know who knew Matthew, Matthew McConaughey was doing a, a broadcast, but he was. And Anthony Fauci was on with him. Uh, it's interesting that uh, Matthew asked him this question, and you'll hear his answer. Let's listen. This is something that, that I found on the internet that some people have questions about. Do you have millions of dollars invested in a vaccine? <laughs> Matthew, no, I got zero. I'm a government worker. I have a government salary. That's it. Okay. All right. Well, that's funny. I mean, that that who? How would how would anybody accuse him of that? He he's just a government worker. But you know what's interesting? He's the highest paid federal employee in the United States government. Four hundred and seventeen thousand six hundred and eight dollars he got in 2019. He made more than the President of the United States. He made more than Mike P- 
Pence, who, of course, outranks him in authority. He made, uh, let's see, more than Deborah Burke. She earned $305,972. So um, he has, uh, well, I'm not even going to, that doesn't matter. I'm just wondering, he's 80 years old. He's the highest paid doctor in federal government. Um, ahead of 4 million federal staffers. Nancy, Nancy Pelosi makes 223000 Uh John Roberts, Supreme Court Justice, makes 270000 Uh Senators make 174000 Four-star generals make 268000 But Anthony Fauci, <laughs> I'm just a government worker. He makes $417,608. And I also would add to that, I've told you this before, if you look him up and you look up patents, you will see that Anthony Fauci owns uh, dozens of patents on medical things that he has uh, been involved in. And the accusation, which I can't prove, I just have read it, that Anthony Fauci is absolutely invested in this along with Bill Gates because they're buddies in this vaccine and they have a lot to gain by everybody getting a vaccine. I um uh, everybody everybody must get a vaccine because that would that would really make him smile. I want to uh, if I I have a few more things to get in here. I uh, Steve Deese, who is a talk show host out of Iowa, he does a great job. He's probably much more than that now because he's so powerful. But he's written a little piece here uh, about all the things that have happened since uh, Joe Biden was inaugurated. Uh, he said, uh, "Here's a peer-reviewed paper from August." but now just now published in the American Journal of Medicine with positive things to say about hydroxychloroquine. NPR has published two dramatically different narratives on COVID-19 the day before and then the day after. Different stories. Um, different governors, including Newsom and Cuomo and the mayor of Chicago, they've suddenly, uh, suddenly, businesses must open. They say their cities must open Washington, D.C. also. Um, let's see. Uh, one hour, one hour, that's right, after Biden was sworn in, the PCR testing was declared by the World Health Organization is wrong and it needs to be changed. So um, this is what's been happening. It's been a manipulation. Doesn't mean people don't seriously have COVID, that people haven't died, but it's out of proportion, used to frighten, and it's been very, very successful. Sandy Reels in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.